So when Airbnb first got started, they would list all of their listings on Craigslist. Especially because they were our dream client. They were the perfect avatar, like the perfect. It doesn't get more better than that. And listen, there's gonna be another opportunity soon. Like there is. I'll leave us with is I lost a big client. I'm not sitting here upset. I'm actually really fired up. Welcome back to the Eight Figure Agency Show, where a successful entrepreneur and a soon to be successful entrepreneur help you build an eight figure agency by documenting our successes and our failures. And guys, you probably didn't see that in this intro episode, but today was the first time I have ever in the history of this no, show, you're I believe. really good at that. I actually messed up the first intro. So this <laughs> intro you saw was the second take. Uh, I can't believe I did that. Uh, but Gary, hello, hello. Let's add, it's going to be a great episode today. Good to see you. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. I got some stuff around growth hacking that I know everybody's going to love. Yeah, and I've got some heavy stuff around churn. I want to fill everybody in on what happened to my company this last week, and uh, it's pretty unfortunate, so I'd love to talk through that with you, Gary, on kind of where we're at. Um, but yeah, if you're listening to this show right now, then stop what you're doing. Go leave us a like if you're on YouTube, if you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We're trying to 1,000x or 100x the growth of the show. 1,000, I don't know. We just want to grow. Uh, so if you're listening, go leave us a review. Uh, but Gary, um, all that stuff. Yeah, please, 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 please. That's really important. Yes. We need you. We're, we're out here, uh, spilling our guts and then like, we get like very 50 vulnerable. people to listen to it. And it's like, come on, is this even worth us doing it? So if this is helpful content to you, all we ask is that you go and, uh, subscribe, uh, either on YouTube or on any of the podcast platforms, please. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gary, I, uh, wanted to bring up some stuff with you today because the last week i actually the company we lost our biggest client our first ever and our biggest client they took up almost 20 percent of the company with them when they left so this was a heavy hit for us and we also have had a heavy start to the new year with a lot of churn so all the growth that i've been talking about the last few episodes we've lost it all uh, and more at this point um so to hit our revenue numbers um we're gonna have to like work double time and so what i'd love to talk through with you is to get your thoughts on that how to lead the team through that and kind of fill you on what I've already done because I think I know what you're going to say and I think I've done it already. Uh, but the most, the key there is how do I make sure, because look, I know that if I jump back into sales, I'd do it. I, I'd send half the messages my team is sending now and I would sell six new clients this month. And a part of me really wants to do that, right? But another part of me is like, I can't because if I do that, then it's me jumping in to save the team again when I shouldn't have to do that. I need a team to save us as well. So what's your thoughts? What's your take? And let's kind of dive into all that. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to throw you a curveball. So you can focus on sales. Let's say you get in there and you, you crank up sales, right? Your churn problem isn't fixed. Mm. So you're going you're gonna to spin your wheels. And this is, this is one, another thing that will lead to burnout and disappointment and frustration as well for everybody. And it's the most important thing you can do now. So remember, we've always talked about you should be focusing on the thing that you can bring the most value. The biggest place that you can bring value is no longer in sales. It's now figuring mm. out how to reduce churn. You know, that's absolutely right. Let me ask you this. Um, do you and understand it's why funny. that's more valuable though? I do. No, absolutely. Because if we okay. just keep selling, we're going to keep losing the clients. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, my yeah, question ever, to you, you is this. Grow. It's just spinning your wheels. The churn that we're experiencing, and I might be wrong, I might be naive, wasn't on us. So like, for example, one of our clients, um, they just couldn't afford to invest with us anymore, right? That that wasn't, that was just them. That wasn't on us. It wasn't, you know, on us thing, right? We had big plans, but they just couldn't afford to invest. Lost sponsors and that was that. Yep. Um, the other clients, the big clients that left us, um, according go to them- Are they gonna sponsors again? 
They are. So we're waiting to hear back, and then they okay, want to come so back. With us. You, that's a win back possibility. Yes. So that, that's what we're hoping for, right? Okay. Um, but then, you know, our other client, the big one that took a significant chunk of the business with them, uh, which ironically enough, I'm kind of fired up about, and I'll kind of explain why in a minute. But um, they told me that, listen, you guys have been nothing but amazing. They were with us for a year and a half, and they said the only reason we're leaving is because we grew so much. We just want to grow more and have it in house in our office. They actually have like a physical location, and they're like, listen, the only thing that's difficult about this is you guys being so far away, and we just want to talk to our team hands on and, and grow that way. Um, so, assuming that they were fully truthful with us, because we did do decent results with them, um, that's the best case scenario for us, because yes, we lost yep. significant amount of the company, but they grew out of us, and that's awesome. So three, three lessons from this. So you, you explained the bottom side example, you explained the top side example, and then there's also um, a percent of revenue example. So let's work through these. Let's start with the lower hanging fruit, um, the, the bottom side example, when people don't have the money to afford you. So you need to be able to actually identify that in your sales, mar- sales and marketing process of are these people that we want to focus on? And as you build your avatar, if someone has a singular a singular sponsor, that's going to put them at huge churn risk. Now that might be okay. Maybe you want to put those people still want to work with those people and get that opportunity, but you have to realize that your lifetime value is going to be much lower on those people because if the podcast doesn't take off and the, and the sponsor quits, then you're out the door as well. So you're losing along with them. Now there's ways to offset that. You could have a list of, you know, sponsors that, that love you because you work with all the best podcasts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's a whole nother business plan, right? Okay. Then, then there's the, um, top end example. The show does so good. You do such a good job. You then lose your job. Right. And so is that, that, that's a problem as well. So you have to be able to identify that. Hey guys, if we, if we blow these guys up, there's a, there's a large likelihood that it's cheaper for them to bring it in house once they get to a certain size. Very, very real problem, right? And so you have to identify that when you're working with people as well. And again, there's solutions for that and we could take into that, but a lot of it's gonna be around different different things that you may or may not wanna build out around. Then you have the third problem is that when people represent a large percentage of your overall revenue, when someone represents a large percentage of your overall revenue, you are at constant risk for catastrophic meltdown at all times. And so you have to learn to diversify that. How you do that is by having smaller accounts. I know that sounds counterintuitive because it's like, no, I want to grow. I want to grow fast. And you, but, but you have to identify like, okay, are we willing to grow fast and run the risk of losing huge percentage? Or do we want to focus more on these mid-level accounts who are more our avatar? And, and then when you lose a couple people, it's not as big of a deal. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely hits home. You know, I, I I don't know if we can truly say that we helped them grow so much that they left because we helped them grow so much. Um, I don't know if we could take credit for that. All I know is that according to them, they grew so much, which is amazing when, you know, our contribution did take part in that, that they now want to bring everything in house. And you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, right? Like they, it is cheaper for them to bring it in house. It is. It absolutely is. I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I'm a business owner myself. You are yeah. as well. I would have made the same decision they did. Right. And even if we were crushing, which we were doing a decent job, um, I would have brought it in house as well because they'd save money and they brought that up. And I was like, yeah, you listen, you guys are absolutely right. And of course there's ways we could save them costs and get closer to that number. But you know, at times it's just, it's not the right fit and it's not the right fit anymore. Um, You know, what was really interesting to me there is I always knew, you know, even when we first started the show that like, Hey, they make up a lot of our revenue and the, the day that they will most likely leave, it's a huge chunk of the company gone. 
but I was never in a position to like not work with them. That's the thing. Like you're never usually in a position to say, hey, let's not work together, especially because yeah, yeah. they were our dream client. They were the perfect avatar, like the perfect. It doesn't get more better than that, right? Um, but how but, do you deal? But are they? But are they? So that's, no, that's, like, uh, I don't. I would say they're not your perfect avatar. Why? Because they fired you and they brought do it, did it in house. So if every client that did that, if you got every client that was the perfect avatar fit, let's pretend you build the. Uh, we use uh, extreme examples to to illustrate points, right? So let's pretend that you build the perfect marketing system and you have mm. the perfect sales uh, system to land the perfect client over and over and over again. Where would that if if every one of them was exactly I like this client? Saying. Where would yeah. you end up? Yeah, it's actually, you're right. Now that I think about it, it's actually not the perfect. It's a great situation money-wise. It's a great situation, yes. But it's not a perfect avatar. You're not going to build your marketing system. You're not going to go out to your marketing and sales team and say, I want 20 more exactly like this. You're right, you're right. Because they're going to grow and then they're going to fire you. You're right. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah, there's, there's you know economies at scale, right? Like even with us, we're not cheap. And that's why I'd much rather work with smaller clients who are that perfect fit, now that I think about the way you're breaking this down, than companies that have multiple shows. Because what happens is eventually we can only go so cheap, right? Where the numbers don't add up for us and we can't deliver as good of a service. Uh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. That's huge. So, okay. Um, what about solutions for this? Like, how can I make sure there's, that we can work through this? There's so many different solutions, okay? So, but, but some of these are going to require you to pivot and that's you know the death nail in a lot of business situations so you have to be wise and picking the, that's the part of being a business owner is picking the wise one right so the first the first let's talk about each of them so the low the the client that can't afford your services if they lose your uh if they lose their sponsor so all you have to do is say hey do we want these or not is it worth us bringing them on and having them for a year to six month and keeping them well, actually, let me back up. The simple answer here might be, Derek, is this your lifetime value is only so long, right? So you might just say, hey, we are we keep our clients for a year. That's how long we keep our clients. And and if that's the case, that's fine. But then you have to build out your sales and your marketing around that and with understanding that. So that might be the answer here is that you have a year shelf life or you have an 18-month shelf life. And that's most marketing companies. Like the vast majority of marketing companies this is true. Then my challenge to you, if that's the conclusion that we're coming to, is how do we create stickiness with these with these companies? How do we make it so they can't quit, right? Um, and with the, the one that can't afford it, that one's tricky. Um, the only way that I would know how to solve the one that can't afford it is to have sponsors at the ready for them. It's like, hey, I got th three other sponsors for you. Um, yeah. That's a big ask, though. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't even want to... Um... To, to save the people that can't afford it because long-term it doesn't make any Perfect. sense, right? And, okay. I, and I don't think we're in a position where our, our shelf life is 12, 12 months, right? Or one year. I think it's much longer than that. It's a matter of how sticky can we actually get. Like the perfect client for us invests, you know, a couple grand with us a month where it's not too expensive where it's like, oh my God. Yeah. But where it's not, where we're not making no money. they can't person either. Exactly. And okay, it's that perfect. perfect sweet spot. That's perfect. where we're at. Okay. Yeah. So, so then, okay. So let's work through the problem through that lens then. Cause I think if that's, if that's the way you want to do it and you're saying, Hey, this is our sweet spot, then you just build out an avatar from that. So who is this person who spends three to $4,000 a month? What is their, how big is their podcast? What are they, you know, what are the subjects that they like to focus on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, 
my my pushback to you on that is this, and it's not pushback. You're absolutely right. <laughs> they're, they're, you're absolutely right. But we I've talked about this with you on the show before. And what ended up happening is, for those of you who followed along for a while, I pivoted my entire company to doing podcast production, and that was not a good move. It was not a good move, like very bad move. Yeah. But now we're pivoted back to this. My concern is this: is the boat? And Alex Moy says it like this all the time: is the opportunity vehicle actually big enough? Meaning, is there enough people that need this service to build the business to the size that I want to build the business to? How big do you want I, to build the business to? I mean, this business, I'm trying to get to three million a year this month, uh, this year, not this month. So three Sorry. million. This, but what's your so, long-term goal? 250k MRR by the end of this year, and then long-term goal, I'm looking to get to 250 million. I mean, that that's where I'm trying. 250 to get to. million this. off of this. Yes. I mean, look, I don't know if it's off of this, but... Okay, okay. So, yeah, because I was going to tell you, I can pretty much tell you, no, it's not big enough. Yeah, I, and, I, and I see that. So, I mean, a couple of things come from that, Gary. So, Is it so worth continuing? So, let's work on the smaller number. What was the smaller number? Three million? We want to get to 250K in MRR by December 29th of this okay, year. Okay, so that means you're going to have to have... Um, so, $250,000 a month in MRR um, yes. divided by average client size, 4000 Ideally, we want it between two and twenty five hundred a month. That's the dream, right? Okay, there. so let's call twenty five hundred. So twenty five hundred. Um, that means you need a hundred clients. Yeah, give or take, okay. approximately. Cool. Yeah, and then a um, hundred clients, and then how many? Oh, and then how? Okay, so now let's define the avatar, and then actually look up and see how big this market is, right? Because if it's a hundred, if if it's a, if there's only a hundred big podcasts out there that can afford yeah. that, then no, there's not enough room for you, right? So what do I do in that case? Because I, I have a feeling that's the situation. I mean, like, because I've been in the game well, for so many, long. How many I podcasts are there? How many podcasts that, that we can, can afford 2,500? That we can actually help, that we can actually help, that are a perfect fit for us. Maybe, and this is being probably generous, 250 to 500. And that's being very generous, if I had to guess. Because a lot of people how, don't how make do money from their number? podcasts. How'd you get that? This is just from all the data that we've been doing the last year, from just all the outreach we've been doing, from the consistent. So you have all the lists of all the podcasts. You keep pulling them up, and it just ends up being around the same people over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the problem. Got it. I don't know. Am I being too narrow-minded? Am I being too small-minded? Or am I being? No, no. I mean, if that. Let's just. I'm just going to use your numbers, okay? So let's say the market is 500. There's 500 people who can afford 2,500 dollars a month. Sounds crazy to me because I I get online and I start looking through all these rankings and stuff, and there's so many people on there and there's tons of business people on there. Uh, the people who start podcasts who are business owners actually have money. <laughs> Podcasters a lot of times don't have money, right? So, um, but so, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the problem with that Gary is they're not the good fit for us because what ends up happening is we can't help them as good as we can to the people that already make the best content. Okay, That's so what you, my worry okay, is because they'll just churn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they'll churn too. Okay. Yeah. Then your market's way too small. You've already gotten 20% in market saturation. If your number of 500 is too. Mm. So you're not going to get to that number. I mean, unless you unless you get to oh, I'm sorry, you you have to get to 20% market saturation. How many clients roughly do you have now? Uh like 7 to 10, I think. 10, so you have 10 clients um and they're 500 divided by 500. What is that? That's We need to get like 90 new clients. Like yeah, 90 new 90 individual people. shows. Yeah. And that would be 20% market saturation, which would be crazy. To give yeah, you an idea, like I have less than 1% market saturation. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's, there's 150,000 dental offices. There's around, I think, somewhere around 200,000 dentists. So 150,000 offices, though. Um, yeah, we, we don't work with um, anywhere near 1%. Like I would love if we could get to 1%. 
you know, I think that the biggest lesson for those people listening is like make sure that the opportunity vehicle you pick will actually serve you. And I think the lesson I'm learning and that I might be learning, and again, I'd love your input, is that the opportunity vehicle I'm on might not be the same opportunity vehicle I'm on in a year from now, right? Because I think that that's kind of what's happening. It, I don't know if it truly is big enough, but what I will say is the lessons and experiences I'm gaining and the connections I'm building are on like unmeasurable how valuable they actually are. Oh, yeah, no, no. Uh, and here's the thing, Derek. Like when you said... I, I pivoted and I tried to help people produce shows. The reason you did that is you were trying to open up your market and yeah. you realize I can't do it. It's not a yeah. good idea. Yeah. That's probably one of the best lessons that you've had so far, because if you yeah. didn't have that lesson, you couldn't be doing the questions that we're doing right now. Cause yeah. that would be just like, Hey, this is the next logical step. So then what, what then, then the next logical step is where is the opportunity? Where mm. is, the next place that people are going to be going and people aren't thinking that way yet. Mm. Yeah. And I have to be comfortable with making that change. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely think that the first thing I'm going to do before anything is just keep pounding with what we're doing now. Cause there is still opportunity. Like it's not oh, like yeah. there's no opportunity. You can grow. No, 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 no. I, you I can think, definitely grow. I think I just have to get comfortable with, Hey, this might not be a $25 million company, right? Cause the market's not big enough unless I find that next offer that aligns with what we're good at doing now, which is the opportunity, which is exactly or, what you're or, saying. or the other way to look at it, Derek is you serve or you learn how to be sticky with the top, the bigger guys to where they can't go outside and do it themselves. And even if we did that, though, it still is not big enough to get to the numbers I want to get to. Right? Even if we get super sticky and our churn is like 3%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. But you can get much yeah. bigger. It's, it's a much Definitely. better vehicle all of a sudden. Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. because you can get to a whole nother level. Because the, the, the client that says, okay, well, I'm going to bring them in-house doesn't bring it in-house because it's much harder than they think it is. Yeah, and it's also more affordable to do it with us, and we're actually generating yeah. real results. So I've, I've been reading this book called The Crux, and it's about strategy. It's about building business strategy. And one of the things they talk about is having goals is great, but the the strategy is the story behind the goals of how we're going to mm. get there. And that's mm. what you're we're doing right now is we're literally going through and we're saying, this is where I want to go in five years. Wait, this isn't going to work. You know, the math doesn't add up, right? And it's not even yeah. it's not even a story that we're telling. It's just simple math. It's not yeah. adding up. So now what we have to do is we have to pivot. So then what's the next story? And then you, you just want to list them all out and nail down like, Hey, this is, these are the opportunities that are out there. There's here's the cool part, Derek, with the vehicle that you're in, there's like endless opportunities. There's so many opportunities. Now, ideally, if, if you're reskinning and you're redoing everything, you want to get away from the labor side and you want to get more over to the, to the uh, software side, if you can, and figure out how to leverage software rather than humans to do something that is extremely sticky and brings value to everybody. Yeah, that's the big thing. And this is why I struggle with the agency model. And I don't know if I see myself in it in the next 40 years, right? Is because every time we grow, we have to grow our team just as much to support the current yep. workload. 100%. It's dreadful. And then every time we scale down, I have to fire the team. And I'm yep. like, but the talent's so good. I don't want to lose them. And then it's like, okay, well, you want to make no money, keep them on, yep. right? I hate that. Problem yep. is when an agency's going well, you're making a lot of money. When an agency's yep. going bad, you're not making good money. Yep. You have to, you have to. So one of the things that we, it took us forever to figure this out, Derek, about agencies. And it's, it, it does give us a competitive edge is that we look at our agency more like a SaaS service and we sign people up sub for subscriptions. That's what you're doing. You're signing up for subscriptions for new patients that we're going to drive into your office. And then we then just tackle the problem just like we did. Okay. What, why are these people churning? What can we make better? 
How do we fix this? And so people don't churn and we just keep adding and compounding what we learn on top of that. On top of that, we also created a SaaS product, which is, that's what um, I wanted to talk to you about today. And I think this is an appropriate time to kind of pivot. So <laughs> last week to give you just an update, we, one of the things that I do every month is I meet with my business partner and he either comes down here, I could fly up to him. He lives up uh, in Northern California. And so he came down here last week. And one of the things that we talked about is how to growth hack our SaaS product that we're launching this year. So one of the things that we noticed right away was the, exactly what you're explaining. This agency model is just this constant give a tug and pull and it's heavy, heavy on labor. And so it's not, they're not crazy profit margins. Like you just don't have that. And now it does generate a lot of revenue. So you can take that revenue and put it into other vehicles. And what I will say, Derek, is this agencies are the easiest to start. Yeah, they're the hardest absolutely. to scale. Yeah. SaaS products, opposite, way harder to start, way easier to scale because you're not using humans, you're using machines, right? Yep. But they're way harder to start because you, here's the hard part about SaaS. Do people even want it? <laughs> you have to build mm -hmm. it and then figure out, do people want it? Now there's ways, there's hacks around that. I've seen like people do freemium models where they will copy somebody else and give away a completely free, free model of it where you're just stealing somebody else's idea and doing it for free and then adding add-ons underneath that. There's all kinds of things you can do with that. With that said, what we decided to do was take the application of where we were tracking all of our new patients, which is unique to the dental industry and patent it and then make its own company. And then now we're launching a product that people can buy separately from SMC just in the dental industry. So we're making this really unique thing that is that, and SMC is paying for that, right? Like, so, so right now we, uh, SMC pays trackable, which is our SaaS company. It's paying trackable every single month for using the software that it developed. And that's how it funds itself. Right. And so, it does cost us a lot of money because we could just say, no, we're not going to pay for it that way. We're just going to develop this thing one time, use people from the outside. But, but that was very short-sighted. That would be in my brain, very short-sighted. So, mm. um, so I met with Ryan. Ryan's the one that is, is developing all of that side of the company. And we talked about growth hacks and I got really excited because inside the SaaS industry, there's, there's ways to growth hack your business and you can take some of these and move them over to your agency. And I'm just going to give you a couple of them. Okay. Uh, that, that have, that have been out there famous people. So you've heard of Airbnb, right? Mm -hmm. So when Airbnb first got started, they would list all of their listings on Craigslist. I want you to think about that. You know what Cra Craigslist is, right? Of course. Okay. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Some younger people, some younger people don't ever use Craigslist, right? Craigslist was huge back in the day. Yeah. And so what they would do is they were like, man, we need to get traffic somehow. How can we get free traffic? So they would just be like, here, we'll post our listing on Craigslist and, wow. and, and piggyback on the, t on the back of somebody else's business. Very creative, right? And now they're yeah. a very successful business. Okay, yeah. let me give you another one. Um, gamification. So this is one that we're playing with. What's gamification? Well, take LinkedIn. LinkedIn was somewhere where you'd post job applications and things like that, but they gamified it. Every time someone reposted, every time somebody liked a post or something, and they basically turned it into a social media platform because social mm -hmm. media is a gamification uh, platforms typically. Um, but they took a platform that wasn't and made it into a platform that is uh, mm -hmm. gamified. And so one of the things that we talked about is 
we have all this data of who the best phone answering people are, which offices uh, answer the best phones, who's the best treatment uh, pres uh, presenters, treatment coordinators, things like that. So we were like, what if we create a leaderboard with all these people on them inside oh, of man. our app that we're creating? <laughs> right? Like that's people so would smart. like that, right? That's so smart. So, so that's a gamification. Here's another one. You create a waiting list. Do you remember Clubhouse when Clubhouse came out? Yeah. Do you remember yeah. when you couldn't get in because you had to be invited? Yep. yep. That was all fake. It was marketing, 100% yep. marketing. Yeah. And so you, you close the door. Instead of having an open door policy, you have a closed door policy. And then uh, other people have done that. Hot, like I think uh, uh, Gmail, uh, Gmail, when they first started, did that. There's been other ones that have done that. They're like, oh, we're, it's only by list only. And so they build this huge list. Yep. And then you open the floodgates and you let everybody in, which yep. creates interest. Now, to you have to actually make it good. So Clubhouse fell apart because the product wasn't that great. But at the beginning... People were very interested in it, right? Um, here's another one. Pay to share. Pay to share. Uh, Dropbox did this, and PayPal built their business on the back of this. So PayPal figured out what their CAC was, their cost uh, to acquire a patient or a, a customer. And they said, um, they said, hey, it's, I'm just going to make up numbers. It's 10, it costs us $10 to acquire a customer from running ads. What if we just paid our customers to refer people? We'll pay them 3 bucks. Mm. And they just mm -hmm. kept paying and paying for people. Every time you told somebody else about PayPal and they used it, you got three bucks to your account or whatever, right? And they, so they lowered their CAC and got people to, to share. Dropbox did the same thing. When they first came out, if you shared Dropbox with somebody else and they signed up, you got more storage room. And that, so what are all these things doing? These things, oh, oh here's another one. Uh, Tinder, when Tinder first came out, what they did is they had college parties that you couldn't get into unless you had the Tinder app. Whoa, really? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so these, so what are all these things doing? They're creating vi virality through people either sharing it or getting the information out there or, or just using hacking some other system to put your information in the middle of that system, piggybacking someone else's traffic. And yep. what you're doing is you're, 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 you're hacking growth, right? You are literally mm -hmm. figuring out how to piggyback on the top of somebody else. And that, I love this because I think at the core, this is like the most purest way of like marketing, right? Like it's, it's, mm. it, it's, it's fascinating. So anyways, we're work. That's, those are the kind of things we've been working on. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I love that so much. And I think that one thing I could possibly apply is the wait list to my thing. I don't know if we have a big enough client base for that, but like possibly starting a wait list would make sense. Uh, look, I think it, it, I'm really glad you went this direction because it, it kind of aligns with everything we were talking about before. And I think to connect it all together, right? For those people who are just starting their agency or who are really new or just really early on like myself, you have to know that, like Gary, you said it, it's easiest to start an agency, it's the most difficult to scale, right? And and the thing that I know is I know a lot of people, like they'll, and even in our mastermind, right? Like they'll do 50 to 250K a month in MRR, but it's still hard to scale. And I look at some of those people and I think sometimes like, why can't I do that the same way? Like I have my stuff down, why can't I get to 100K? But this person can. And oftentimes they're in similar areas as I'm in, but they're doing it slightly different. Yeah. And I don't wanna do what they're doing because it's not my thing, yeah. right? But it's funny because they also have the scaling problem. They're just at a different level yeah. of it, right? Because no, their vehicle is a little bit bigger. It's just time for you, Derek. Like, to be honest with you, you have figured out things in 12 months that took me four years to figure out, <laughs> five years to figure out. Like, no joke. Because I'm just sitting there and I'm sitting in an office and I'm going, 
man, this doesn't feel right. Well, I'm just going to keep doing it anyways. And I'm going to keep cracking away at it. Right. And it, and we kept growing, like we always grew, but it, it was just painful at times. So you're figuring things out. You're, you're on the time bus at this point. So you need to get your reps in, get your time in. And over time you will, like, I bet you those people you're comparing yourself to, if you, you, the one component you're not comparing to them is time, how long they've been figuring it out. And when you add that component of time, things just take off. You're doing all, you're doing all the right things. The other thing is you're just going through the, uh, the slinky as well. Like you have to realize that when you say, Oh, I can sell more. What happens? Something else is going to break inside the company. It's either onboarding, it's either fulfillment or it's churn. And then you go and have to tighten that up and then you readjust everything else based off of that. I think that you are getting really, really clear on your avatar, which is awesome because that's going to dictate where you take your whole agency. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing I will add to that, Gary, is even as I'm going through the slinky, my problem since the start was, is the vehicle really big? Like, I have this conversation once a week, sometimes every day. I really do. And we've had it on the show multiple times. If I'm still having that conversation today, it really might be that it's not big enough no, for where I, I'm I trying totally, to go. No, it is. If yeah. you're not able so, to expand the market and you can't work with yeah. business people and you can't do this and you can't do that and you really only have 500 people, 100% it's the wrong, wrong yeah. market. So, so let me ask you this and as we kind of end the episode. like what? Because I was listening, a lot of people might be going through the same thing. And I think it comes down to your goals and aspirations. Like I know myself. I don't want to have a company doing 20, 30K a month. If I did, then I'm done. Like I'm basically just in yep. maintenance mode and I would be set for life, right? If that's my goal. My goal is half a billion. That's very different. That's a different ballgame. That's why I'm even talking about my opportunity vehicle isn't big enough. Because look, if you're listening or watching this right now and you're like, Man, if I had an agency doing 20, 30K a month where I could have time freedom, location freedom, and be profiting 5 to 10K, I'm set for life. That's, this is it, right? But at the same time, that's not what I'm going for. So Gary, what would, advice would you kind of give me as I'm going along this? Like, How do I navigate here? When I see that next opportunity, do I go all in? Do I keep chugging along at this until Write down all everybody the opportunities turns? That are, so I, I went through the same exact thing, Derek, because I, I was dying from indigestion because I had too many opportunities. I had... A, a list of car washes that we could work with national wide car washes. I could have been a became a car wash marketing expert. I could have done chiropractic. I could have done, uh, auto, uh, stores. I had a whole bunch of auto, uh, places that we were working with. That's big money. They spend a lot of money on, on marketing. And I, I had to choose one. I finally said, you know what? I have to pick one and I have to pick a road. And we went dental now that's a little bit different than what you're dealing with because you're saying pick a whole new road, but what is where's the biggest opportunity? Like if you you have to find the opportunity, and then the trick is is just to focus on it in a way that nobody else is yet. I think what was cool about you doing video, Derek, is that the way that you do, there wasn't anybody doing it at that time. Yeah, I was really early. I was really early. I was the only. Which is cool. It was really the only people. Yeah, yeah. which is awesome because you figure some things out. But here's the problem now. Every single day, someone DMs me and says, I will do your videos for free for a month. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's bad because, because it's a free, it's becoming a freelancer position, right? Which yeah. means then people can hire these people. Right. So yeah. it's, it's just not, that's, you didn't know that, right? I had no idea. No one knew this, that all social media was going to change and go to video, <laughs> vertical video. And, and that was going to be the next thing. And listen, there's going to be another opportunity soon. Like there is. It's moving really fast. The trick is, is finding those opportunities. As I told you before, 
where I, if I was going to start an agency, I would do something either around social media or I would do something around bottom of funnel. If you can figure out bottom of funnel, I had to talk with somebody a couple of weeks ago in one of our masterminds and they do some stuff like you do, but they do a little bit different and they build bottom of funnel, uh, for, for agencies and for business people. And it was really cool because it was like, Hey, I see what you're doing up here. Top of funnel. I know that you want to get more customers because that's what everybody wants. That's the only reason that anybody does this stuff is to get more customers or get more views so and make more money. So if you can, if you can help them build that bottom of funnel, now you're closer to the money. And I think that's one thing I, I would say Derek too, is like, you can really push bottom of funnel because that's going to put you closer to the money and that's going to get you lower churn, way more sticky. You can charge a premium. You can basically be like, look, I'm going to help you get 20 more clients in this vertical based on this kind of content. And we're going to build out the email sequences and all those kind of things. I mean, bro, that's huge. Every agency would pay you for that. Every kind of business, online business would pay for that. I mean, it, it pins so different ways. That's me. That's the opportunity I see is because most business owners don't understand bottom of funnel because we're on, uh, I, 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 for me, I struggle with it because I'm big picture. So I'm thinking, start more podcasts, start more, you know, top of funnel stuff. But then someone has to help me build the middle funnel, bottom funnel stuff. So Gary, I, that's super valuable. And I, if I may real quick, kind of break that down. So top of funnel for those listening, right? It's like the, in your case, right? Like your podcast or your clips on social media, like the yep. general awareness that you Or the show, the show's super high in the funnel. The show's, yeah. How would you break down middle of funnel and bottom of funnel and what opportunities lie in there for those listening? Because people could take advantage. Yeah, absolutely. So middle of funnel. So top of funnel is just getting attention. Mm-hmm. Moving down into the funnel is now people are becoming interested in what you do or why you do it. So it's people are expressing interest. So now they move into maybe an email list or they move into a webinar or they move into something, right? Then from there you push to bottom of funnel. Bottom of funnel is like I have them in a mastermind. I have them in uh I have them paying for a course. I have them signing up for a webinar that's going to push them to a sales call that's much more tactical. And so what you're doing is through that process, you're weeding, you're starting with all the eyeballs. So it's me creating a video talking about why I don't eat Fruit Loops for breakfast, right? That gets, Mm. you know, 20,000 views. Then some of those views are like, oh, this guy owns a marketing agency that does, oh, Deno, that's great. I'm in that industry. They, that pushes down. Then they sign up for my email list. The email list goes out to them and sends them all the tips and tricks of marketing, blah, blah, blah. They get to know me. They now are consuming more of my content. Then they watch another one of my podcasts Mm. that's more bottom of funnel that's sharing tactics of how to do things. Then they sign up for my boot camp. Then they come to my mastermind. And then eventually they, they, somewhere in that process, they end up signing up. Now, where all those things fit into my funnel is a little, you know, it's a little bit wonky and we're still building a lot of it, but those, that's, that's what I mean by that. And you're basically saying that a big opportunity, because I mean, it sounds like you went through it yourself is like, if the company came in and said, Hey Gary, we were going to help you build top, middle and bottom funnel for SMC. So we'll not only help you with the content on top, but we'll help you establish a newsletter. We'll help you build a webinar. And Hey, we'll even help you build and manage a mastermind on the bottom, manage that whole flow. That to you is that something that would have been really valuable. (laughs) So valuable, bro. (laughs) 
You're laughing because I know the behind the I'm scenes and you did it all yourself. Yeah, I'm still piecing it together. <laughs> like I'm Frankensteining it still together. I'm bringing in, I had to hire people internally. I had to hire people yeah. externally and yeah. we're still piecing it together. We have a lot yeah. of the pieces. I'm super proud of what we've built, but it's not where I want it yet. Like I want that thing so big. And that's why I'm building my personal brand. Like a lot of people yeah. are like, what? Why? It doesn't make sense. What are you doing, Gary? Like you're yeah. on just talking about yourself or talking about things that you do all the time. You're doing coffee reviews. Why? Because it's wider <laughs> funnel. I can't yeah. sit and talk about dental marketing all day. No one cares. I don't get views. Here's the other thing. The, the other thing that most people don't understand, especially about marketing companies, when you have a lot of views on your videos, think of Gary V, think of somebody like that, you get instant credibility. People go, Absolutely. oh, this guy knows what he's yep. talking about marketing, even though it has yep. nothing to do with dental marketing. This is not how you are successful in dental marketing is by getting a lot of video views <laughs> on shorts. That is not the secret, but yep. it doesn't matter. People assume that you know, and it gives you instant credibility. So I'm yep. building credibility. I'm building the top of funnel, and then Authority. I'm taking the people and pushing people down through different, different means. I love it. That's got me fired up. I really like that. You've mentioned this many times. I never fully understood until we went through this breakdown right now. Uh, but Gary, this was a very, very great episode for me. Um, and you know, I think the last thing I'll leave us with is I lost a big client. I'm not sitting here upset. I'm actually really fired up yeah. because I know it's really early. So like for those of you listening, you might be like, how is Derek like not depressed and upset? I could be. I could be like, oh man, I just lost 20% of my company. I, on the call, even said to them, I was like, guys, I'm fired up for you. Like yeah. a client comes to you and says, hey, we outgrew you. I'm like, that's everything I could have ever dreamed of. Yeah. Obviously, I still would want to collect your money. But at the same time, it's like, this is a great scenario, right? It's, yeah. it's awesome. Well, uh, my, so biggest, guys, my biggest growth, Derek, all of our biggest growth, and I've come to realize this over the years because I've been doing it a while, it always comes in adversity. And the bigger the adversity, the yeah, bigger the growth, growth that we had on the backside of it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Gary, thank you so much because you opened my eyes to a lot of things and a lot of ways that I can actually make work here. Guys, if you're listening or watching, leave us a review. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Leave a like on this video. If you've listened all the way through, we thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for your time, and we hope that this episode provided you some value. Check us out on TikTok, Instagram Reels, and YouTube Shorts. And with that, guys, we'll see you in the next episode. Peace out.